It's the BWI Daily Edition. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Monday, the final Monday of the 2022 regular season, even though it's over, we are going to give some due to the game against Michigan State. We're not going to blow right by it into offseason talk, although we're going to start with a lot of offseason talk. So let's get to all of the great stuff coming up on the Daily. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, your host today. We have a great panel. Sorry, three things at once and my brain just glitched for a second. Nate Bauer, already we're off the rails. Sean Fitz, uh, the experts here that are going to discuss all the things going on with Penn State football. But we have to get to something right off the bat, and it is not Nate's bowl predictions. We've got to get to something even more important. Fitz, we're coming right to you for some breaking news. What do you have as the latest for Penn State football? I am disappointed we're not getting into Nate's bowl predictions segment right away. Um, but huge news for Penn State. Uh, Olu Fashnu, the uh, fantastic left tackle, uh, started most of the games this year. He's coming back next year. Um, is it breaking news? Not so much. We've been talking about on our site on Blue White Illustrated for a while now that they were against all odds heavily leaning toward coming back. And uh, now that they've get, gotten out of the season, they get a chance to start to gain some momentum in getting uh, in, in retention, really, with that roster and, and everything coming up in, in December. But uh, getting Olu back, uh, massive, absolutely massive. This is a guy that's a uh, ton of talent, a uh, ton of development. Uh, for, you, you have to credit Phil, Phil Troutwine and the job that he's done there. Um, but you've got your left tackle. You've got a five-star quarterback in, in Drew Aller, who we, we expect to be the starter, but, you know, whatever. Um, but you've got to you, – you have the ability to protect his blind side with, the, uh, with a franchise left tackle that would have gone in the first round. I don't know if he was going to go top five, top ten, whatever the, uh, the mocks were, were projecting him to go. But it's really, really important to, uh, to protect that guy. And that offensive line is starting to really come together in, in 2023. I know they've got a couple decisions that they're waiting on, um, but you've got uh, Hunter Norzad already coming back. Landon Tangwell is going to be coming off of surgery, but he's definitely back. Uh, Wormley is going to be back. And now the big piece, and I'm not, not trying to slate any of the freshmen or, or J.B. Nelson, but the big piece is, is back, and that's absolutely massive. Yeah, so one final question, Penn State, we, we had talked about in some needs in the transfer portal, needs in the offseason, tackle had been on that list. Does this remove that from that list, seeing what we saw from Drew Shelton at the end of the season filling in for Fashinu, or um, do they still want depth at that position? Are they still looking for another body there, considering what happened to them this year where they had so many injuries at in that position? Look, offensive tackle is so hard for that to, uh, excuse me, so hard for that to, uh, um, Snyder's calling me for some reason. Um, so maybe we'll have some recruiting news by the end of this. Um, but, uh, no, it's so hard to find offensive tackles at any level, high school, Juco, Porter, Portal, what have it. So they're still going to look, but it certainly takes down the need. You've got Drew Shelton, who started a bunch of games. They're awaiting a decision from Bryce Efner, who's a quality depth piece as well. Um, so you've got a ton going for you but you're still going to look for more they're still going after Keyshawn blackstock um he's a junior college prospect that's coming in for an official visit in december not going to turn that one off but tackles are so hard to find and then you look further down the, the depth chart 
you're not sure what you're getting from Jimmy Christ, Golden Achumba, Ibrahim, Ibrahim uh, Traore. There's so many guys that, that are question marks there that you just have to continue to plug holes and, and fill gaps. And whether that's a starter or not, it's going to be very tough to come in and get a starter uh, at offensive tackle or anywhere in the offensive line. Um, but, or, or, excuse me, it's going to be tough to find a guy that wouldn't start, um, but they're still going to have to look. So, uh, Nate, I want to get to you here quickly. You called this on the site Penn State's first win of 2023. Can you tell us a little more about what you mean there? Yeah, I mean, it's a little cliche, but the way that James Franklin talks and and puts things into the context of every day, every week, every month of the offseason is an opportunity to get better or, in some cases, get worse, Uh like this is it, this, right? I, I, it's funny because I was actually doing a story as as it was today about how so many of the things that transpired literally a year ago at this time, right? The the immediacy right after that Michigan State game last year, you had so many different things happen, right? One was uh, Brent Pry leaving. Uh, you had the opportunity for Sean Clifford to come back and John Sutherland to come back, Tig Brown announced he was coming back. Those, those were decisions, right. That, that the program made uh, shortly thereafter, Manny Diaz coming back or not coming back, but the replacement for Brent Pry, uh, you know, just on and on down the list Mitchell Tinsley in the transfer portal. So much of Penn state success this season was set up by the things that happened in the first couple of weeks of December last year. And okay, here you are November 28th and you have a major potential, right? It's not as though Penn state was without options. If Olu Fashanu did not come back, there were options, but this is the best option. This, right. This is, this is such a major bonus to have, a guy who like, it's just, it's hard to contextualize, but it's just so unheard of to have someone who's projected to go as highly as he is, turn down that opportunity and make it wait for a year. And, right. and we understand all of the reasons that he's doing it and that he's choosing this. And, um, you know, certainly the, the, the academic side of things is something that James Franklin pointed to uh, earlier in in um, during this season as being very important to Olu and his family. But yeah. again, for it to happen is just it's a huge win. Right. right? November 28th yeah. win for Penn State football. We'll see what happens in the remaining days, but it's a good place to start. Fitz, I want to go back to you on that quickly, talking about uh, Fashanu and uh, family being very important in this decision, correct? This was when he says that he consulted his family and coaches, like that's not a cliche. That's not a line that you put in a graphic. From what I understand, it was very much a conversation with him and his parents about this. They came to Penn State um, a few, I guess it'd be in October, I believe now, um, and had the conversation about the draft status. The, of, at this point, he was top five in CBS, top 10, you know, all over the mock drafts and things like that. And Penn State had gotten feedback from pro scouts, and it was good feedback. Like, it, now, he hasn't played a ton, but the, the, the strides that he made and everything that he did was pointing to him being a first-round pick. They laid the information out there and basically said, you probably should go. Like, this is a situation where you're going to – if this is – all data points and all logic and everything like that, 
the logic is to go because this is a really great opportunity. The, the family, so ingrained in academics, um, so uh, just wary about his future with an NFL locker room, all this kind of stuff. They were the ones that wanted to come back. This was not mm-hmm. a hard sell job. Now, Penn State wanted, absolutely wanted him back. This was not a hard sell job by the Nittany Lions to get him back for next year. Uh, obviously, they'll take any years that they can get out of a, out of a franchise left tackle. Um, but this was a situation where they wanted the academics. They wanted the, him to get as far on his graduation track as possible and hopefully graduate before he leaves. But this is this is an exception to the rule. I mean, this is something where we're talking last year, you know, Jesse Lucchetta goes and is a late round pick. This is a guy that's a first round, a top half of the first round pick. Yeah. Passing up all of that and everything that comes with it to come back. I mean, that's a big deal. And this is the way that the decisions have started to fall for Penn State. And I'm not saying it's going to, like I said, this is the exception to the rule, but Dotson coming back, Brisker coming back. You mentioned Jair Brown coming back last year. Maybe not um, at the magnitude of the this decision today. But things have started to come back around. I know NIL is going to play a factor into these decisions moving forward, and I think it's going to play big into the portal in December, which should be a very, very active month, at least on our site, um, covering this stuff. But uh, it's a special case. Uh, Olu, special kid, special family. And I got to think that James Franklin was pretty happy to have that conversation and and have that be the outcome because it, it hasn't always been the case. Yeah, and I want to go back to something there that you said about uh, being in the locker room, being 20. He's 19 right he's now. 19 I think now. he turns yeah. he turns 20 in December. There have been, I've, I've talked about this on the show again. I just want to say it here uh, because I think it's important. There has been one 20-year-old that has performed well in his first season over the last, since 2017 in the NFL. That is uh, Panay Sewell, who was a top-five pick. And I believe he had more. He might have had two years in uh, in college football that he played. But generally, he was seen as a generational talent. I think uh, Fashanu is in that category. But again, there are only so many exceptions to the rule. So coming back for another year, as as big and strong as he is, another year of strength and development before going to the NFL from a play perspective and from a run blocking perspective, I think is an excellent move because he will be a top five pick in 2023. This year, limited film, the injury, I think that we will... We, Fitz, you say this all the time. We love to pick things apart during the draft process. And people would find things that they don't like about. There'd be some of those uh, on film. So another year is, I think, going to solidify everything that we've seen from him. I uh, want to get one thing in here before we move on with the show. David has uh, some good vibes about 2023 as well. O-line is going to be stacked. Offense should be the best James Franklin has had, and D should remain elite. Do or die the next two years for Penn State. Keep <laughs> recruiting and win. Yeah, I know, Nate. Do or die. There it is. There, there's, there, there it is right there, Nate. I know you love that. Oh, my goodness. Yep. <laughs> Yep. It's, uh, yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's just, it's, it's so hard to, to grapple with this sport right now in the sense that it's not even just do or die for the next two years. It's really, I think in the minds of many do or die for Ohio state and Michigan. Like that's it. We're, we are excluding the possibility that somebody else on Penn state's get, I mean, legitimately, we can say this right now. We don't know what the Big Ten schedule is for 2024, do we? 
I don't right? think like, so. Yeah. And by so, 20, by 2024, there's most likely going to be a playoff expansion as well, right? So I and mean, and also most likely no divisions. This is a yeah. totally separate subject. But in <laughs> any case, uh, I think that Penn State needs to get some receivers as well. But that's that's also to David's. In any case, no yeah. good offensive line. That was a great place to start. That's a, it's a uh, very very solid thing that Penn State has an opportunity to have an offensive line that isn't in purgatory. Right, that isn't in this state of maybe actual, they'll take the next actual step. progress, actual like, pro- some some retention s- for progress. You saw the progress this year, and now all of that progress has the opportunity to return for next year. I'm not saying that all of it will, but so much of it is young and has years of eligibility remaining. This being the biggest piece with Olu. You know, I just think it bodes, uh, it, it does bode very, very well uh, in terms of the offensive line being a strength. But not only that, the impact that it will have certainly on Drew Alar and then also Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. Like, put all of those guys together, it gets interesting. Before we get to anything else, I do want to say, please, if you're watching, like the video and subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube so that you get all the information, all the context of all these things. Because as Fitz said, we've been talking about this at the Blue White Illustrated uh, Lion's Den message forum for a while. This information has been uh, out there for, for our subscribers to know. But you here on YouTube, you're getting it here on the live show. You're getting it here on replay. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel so you get it eventually. And subscribe to BlueEyedIllustrated.com for $10 a month. That will get you inside access to all that information we're talking about until next football season. Bobby, now that Olu's coming back, do we beat Georgia in the Natty by 14 or 7 next season? Yeah. So, so no problem, no lack of uh, enthusiasm. This is going to go really well. I, yeah. I'm sure of it. It's all going to go perfectly. Always does. Yeah. yeah. Fitz, I want to ask you um, about that offensive line and the things that we've, we've kind of talked about going forward. I'm excited because we're, we have a chance to actually see Fashanu and Tengwall play together. Um, is there any conversation that you've heard about the bowl game or what's the status there? Do you have any information about not for not not Tangwall? I understand, but with Fashanu and the James Franklin's vague comments after a couple of games this year about when he might return. Yeah, I mean he he hasn't really practiced or anything like that, so we haven't seen him out there uh, on Wednesday nights or anything like that. James Franklin did not note him as a guy that was out for the season. Which in that case, and this is kind of what we said when he got hurt they give themselves all the slack they need just in case he can come back and play in the bowl. Um, you know, he, he continues to throw hopeful out there as if that means something other than, you know, I'm not going to tell you guys anything. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it'd be nice to get him back. Um, it, it, I will say this the last four games of the season. And I know that the competition level being what it is, but getting Drew Shelton out there, uh, getting that combination, they, they started the same combination over the last five or four weeks, which actually was surprising to me when I lo- went back and looked. But getting those guys the ability to get reps, get live reps, Drew Shelton, um, throw, throwing Norzad in there, um, you, you, you give yourself the ability, and we talked about this at different positions before, to cultivate depth. Now, that 2020 class that included uh, Olu Fashionu, uh, it was really not a hit in terms of what they, they brought in five guys. And so far one has played, one has been great, you know, it, uh, you know, Olu projected where he's projected, but at the same time, haven't gotten a ton, haven't gotten a ton to dent the depth chart either. It's not, it's not a situation where these guys are, 
um, you know, pushing for a starting job. But Drew Shelton, obviously pushing for a starting job. JB Nelson, they fought tooth and nail to keep that red shirt on him, and somehow it worked out. Veggie Ione stepped in as a true freshman and played more than those guys in the 2020 class have played. So there's a lot going for them in terms of cultivating this depth and going getting where they need to be, which is another reason I, I, I see it being a little bit tough to sell an offensive lineman in the portal just because you've got a lot of bodies that have played a decent amount of football and you've added reps for that. And if you get a guy like Efner to come back, that's a, that's a value position right there. And Caden Wallace is still out there. I mean, just, there's a lot of possibilities here where you can – seriously see some competition in that room next year so i think that's exciting absolutely it's still the offensive line so it's it's gonna you know take some things and fine-tune it and and, and, yeah. and figure out to how it makes how to make it work but at the same time it just makes everything and every other position a little bit easier to work with you've got two running backs coming out back that are true freshman stars essentially uh your quarterback you hope can be a star and i agree with nate they've got to find something at receiver what would you do with drew shelton I think he he performed admirably for a true freshman being thrown at the end of the season. Um, you know, you can't put the red shirt back on by not playing him next season. So, you know, I know a lot of this has, has time to play out and the coaches have time to make these decisions, but it seems like Penn State is in an enviable position now where they've got two players that they can reasonably trust at that left side. But um, would you would you personally consider playing him at left guard because I know that James Franklin talked about playing him at a different position or that right tackle position that struggled to maintain a level of consistency even when healthy this season are would those options be on the table to you or would you keep him uh, Shelton at left tackle and groom him for the future no I, I mean you got to put your franchise left tackle at left tackle and then figure out what to do with Shelton what's interesting is he has played some left guard this year you know it, it hasn't been something where he's stuck there but they they saw him coming in as a guy that is a tackle that could also play guard, a swing guy, they typically say. So I, I see him on the right side at right tackle, but also at left guard is a is a certainly is certainly an, an opportunity for him to to get in because you're trying to find your best five. I mean, this isn't a situation where you go out and 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 pigeonhole one guy in at one spot and then try and make it work from there. Um, I know Tangwall will be back. Uh, Norzad, you could probably foresee him stepping into center, as Nate has reported in the uh, in the past. So you just the important thing here is you've got options, and you did not not always have options. Last spring, we were talking about six or seven uh, offensive linemen, scholarship offensive linemen, and then you know all your walk-ons left as well. So you were you we got that spring game last year that everybody wants to forget, uh, myself included. So you've just <laughs> got options, and that's that's the great thing to have. Um, JB Nelson coming back with, with three years to play three next year, Vega with four years to play four. Um, you're starting to feel a lot better. And like I said, credit Phil Troutline. He's done a really, really good job in a, in a scenario where kind of felt like you were hanging on the edge there for a while, but they, they have come through and, and done a nice job, still improvement to make, uh, to catch up to the Michigans of the world uh, on that offensive line. But, uh, on paper, there's, there's a lot to like right there. A lot of stuff out the gate, some big news, but I do want to make sure we get to you in the chat because we got some people donating to the channel. If you want to put something in the tip jar, we always appreciate it. it helps keep the lights on, helps us all sleep better at night, uh, especially me. And uh, if you want to, great, but we'll be getting to your questions today. Uh, no questions, just want to thank you guys for a great regular season and all your hard work. We are. Thank you so much for the donation. Thank you for the kind words, by the way, in the holiday season. That is so nice of you. Steven, a regular here, says great year of support from you guys. Thanks again. Wow. 
coming down here and it's just appreciation in the chat people are in a good mood nate olufashanu's coming back and people are letting it flow how are, how are you feeling today by the way <laughs> I was gonna say all all of a sudden drew allard not getting the uh first series in the uh second half against maryland doesn't matter quite as much believe it or not i know yeah fitz has already heard that joke but i'm just gonna keep going to the well i love it you, you really are you're gonna keep polishing until it works that's right uh <laughs> lambda has a question about the portal and i think that that's something that i want to get to a little bit later but it is uh probably top of mind so we well, let's touch on it now uh, definitely need to replace PJ, PJ Musfer, uh, on the D-line. That is a big portal need, in his opinion. Uh, Fitz, I, th I think that's an astute observation. Is defensive tackle on the same level as offensive tackle, or is it just that upper echelon of big men? And will Pense be able to find a guy to plug and play like they did Derek Tangelo or, you know, and, a, and a guy of uh, starting quality in the portal? That's going to be tough. Um, like you mentioned, Tan I don't think anybody saw T Tangelo being as good as he was. Um, this was a guy that had a, a bunch of production, a lot of experience and things like that. So the opportunity will be there, especially now um, in college football. I think you're going to see a lot more guys go into the portal to sort of test the waters and uh, figure out what's out there. Um, it's it, it, Bud Elliott made a very uh, good point uh, on his podcast talking about the class of 2021 and how that was the COVID class where they didn't get to visit places and coaches didn't get to evaluate in person it's sort of a perfect storm to see what's out there and those guys still have eligibility left so i think that's the the fascinating part of that um but beyond that yeah defensive tackle it's hard to find big guys that can move like that now the good thing is they probably have two or three years in a college strength program so it's not like you're bringing in a guy that's a high school guy that you're asking to play in a scenario that's a little bit over his head at this point. So yeah. it can be done. Um, but I'm not sure it's, it's a situation where um, you're going to go out and find a can't miss guy because Derek Tangelo was, was a really, really good player. I'm a huge Derek Tangelo fan. I'm not sure um, if I've, if I've said that before, but that wasn't a can't miss situation. The can't miss situations at defense tackle are either taken care of and staying in their school, going to the draft or everybody's going to be on them. So that's going to, that, that, that's a, that's something that, that rings true at every level. If you have a high school guy that can move, that's six, three, 300 pounds, he is infinitely more valuable than, you know, a, a lot of other players in, in his class at his position. So I think that that's, that's what makes it so tough is not, is, is not so much the, the pool that's out there. And we don't know what's going to be out there because the transfer portal has not opened up for, for SBS, FBS guys that haven't had coaching changes yet, but, that is a position where everyone needs. I mean, that's a offensive tackle is one thing, but defensive tackle um, is uh, probably the it's equal on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Nate, we're going to shift gears here and come down from Penn State's biggest win of the weekend to Penn State's second biggest win of the weekend, which is beating Michigan State. We're yeah. actually going to talk about the game for a second. Um, okay. This is the interesting thing that I find in this in this scenario. Penn State wins 35-16. But clearly the way those 35 points were scored was not necessarily the prettiest thing that that we've ever seen. And that's been the case with this offense over the course of I, I don't even want to say the season, but definitely intermittently throughout the season. Yeah. Do you evaluate a team's performance differently? when the offense isn't playing necessarily well, but overall it's a good team win, and does offense skew our perception of wins and losses? Hmm. Uh, 
Maybe. I, I, I think that Penn State, uh, the first game that I'm going to go to is 2021 at Ohio State, right? Is Penn State's offense might have had its best game of the year uh, in an otherwise awful year for the offense, right? And Sean Clifford played really well. Uh, it was a good offensive game. And, you know, but they still lost, right? Uh, Penn State, what I saw from the offense on Saturday, I think was two things. One, the disjointedness, the inconsistency that has really been present through most of the season was still present. And then also, uh, hey, three starting offensive linemen have not played in a month, like haven't been able to play. Parker Washington, your most productive wide receiver, not able to play. You, you that like you can see the ways the tr- you've got Keandre Lambert Smith throwing a pass for a touchdown. You can see that there are smoke and mirrors elements of it that Penn State and Mike Yersich had to pull out because the the offensive line. I think you know you, it's a balancing act from the the commentating side of things right because you have to you have to praise them for the juggling act of the red shirts and figuring it out and being able to push through and all of those things but if you're evaluating it just on its face without caveats Sean Clifford had a bunch of pressure in the Rutgers game I don't know if it was necessarily the case against Michigan State I thought that he tried to escape clean pockets a, a decent amount on Saturday, I sound like an idiot just talking like this. That's no, no. Er, early on, that was definitely a problem. Um, I think he corrected it. This is the funny thing is like, you know, what I said in my film studies, we came full circle with Sean Clifford where when they needed it in his final game at Beaver Stadium, he came, he came around and he actually played pretty well in the fourth quarter and delivered when the offensive line was stagnant. But you make a really good point there about the offensive line and some of the conversations I've had with people here on the show and, and elsewhere that, man, this team's really hitting their stride. Look at all these things. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. True freshman left tackle. You want to go back and replay some of those games with a true freshman left tackle. Uh, opponent does matter. And you make a good point about the offense. Fitz, one of the things I noticed was during this particular game plan, there wasn't a lot of drop back passing. They weren't, especially early in the game, it was RPO, it was read option, it was a bunch of things to kind of disguise, smoke and mirrors, as as Nate called it, to protect those young players and to protect Clifford from bad situations against a decent offensive line. Later in the game, though, they were able to deliver, so do you think that maybe they had more than we were thinking, or that, or maybe even the coaching staff had anticipated? Yeah. I mean, probably a little bit. I think I agree with Nate. I mean, you, you can, you know, throw the kudos on everybody for doing it, but if if you actually gr- sit there and grade it out, it's, it's not, it wasn't their best game or anything like that. So it gave you, it, it, it was one of those things where during the middle or in the middle of the season talked about Sean Clifford, giving them the opportunity to run more of their playbook, to do more of the things at the line of scrimmage and, and make these changes and things like that. I think that's what happened as a whole. You know, you, you gave him the opportunity to sort of widen the field. You gave him the opportunity to get things to going in different directions, spreading out the defense and making it happen, especially in that Rutgers game when he started to run. I mean, I think that's kind of uh, indicative of the way that they called uh, things and it opened it up for them. They used, what they had in terms of experience and what they had in terms of um, uh, I don't want to say playmakers, but um, 
they, they match their experience and their playmakers and, you know, they got some tight ends out of it and things like that. So I, I don't think it's all what you suggested it to be, but I think that there's, there's elements of that and they grew into it. Mike Yersich grew into it, made some really good calls and then kind of, uh, you know, over, overwhelm them. You, you look at that fourth down call where they just had the numbers and sometimes it's that simple. I mean, sometimes it's, it's getting the ball away from your offensive line and, and trying to make some things happen. So I, I, I don't know that it's, it's, all that that you suggested, but there's certainly elements of, of, of both sides. I think they, uh, the fourth down call <laughs> you're trusting your quarterback to make. I, I mean, it's not, I, I don't know if T Frank, you're a better judge of this than me. I mean, it's, it's a screen pass. Yes, but those aren't the easiest throws to make. Are they? Uh, well, Michigan, I, again, I put this in the film study, Michigan state made it pretty easy by mm -hmm. being very wrong in that situation pointed out right before the snap, uh, Xavier Henderson sent one of the linebackers back to the box. And on that play, there are three options, the screen, uh, Tyler Warren, and then running. And the least dangerous of those three is Sean Clifford running. So I don't know why they were covering that. Like it was a priority when Nick Singleton's on the sideline. But in that situation, you have to throw the ball accurately and on. Like that is a that's a throw you have to make a hundred times out of a hundred in that situation. Yeah. Well, they, they, but, all, they ran the slant to Warren. You know, they, they they set that thing up against Ohio State by running the exact same motion, putting those guys out to the to the wide, and then throwing it back to Warren, which nobody saw coming. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest here. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I I didn't go back and look at the Ohio State, but maybe that's a numbers check or, or things like that. But they came out and and you really saw the evolution. And, and you know, I know we talk all the time about Sean Clifford and and you know his limitations and things like that but he's not limited up here i mean he knows what he's doing and he knows wh where to put the ball just a matter of uh, whether or not it gets there and it, and it got there on saturday we're going to take a quick break here uh, to talk about uh, the sponsor of our Monday live show, and that is RogueShop.com. You can watch me think and talk at the same time, which is super fun. RogueShop.com, which, by the way, talking about thinking and overthinking, they are a great resource for that. If you need a holiday present, they're running a Black Friday sale right now. And if you don't know what RogueShop.com is, RogueShop.com is a premier small batch cannabis farm in Wisconsin that is a uh, sponsor of the show. And I'm going to show you some of the stuff they got going on over on their site, which is uh, a pretty cool site. They got it all giddy up for Christmas. So you want to check this out, rogueshop.com. They have products, as you can see, for sleep, for pain. Uh, you can use, you can get uh, $75 off for, uh, or excuse me, free shipping for any, uh, any purchase over $75 right uh, right now and use promo code BWI for 10% off your purchase. Um, I've used Rogue Shop to get myself through football season. A lot of late nights, staying up late, working hard, working 12, 14-hour days. I don't say that to go, hey, look at me. Look how hard I'm working. Because here's the thing, guys. Everybody works hard. Nobody isn't working hard. But if you have a problem like I do, winding down and your brain doesn't stop spinning, RogueShop.com is great for that. They also are great for pain relief and for stress management, all of those things. They give you uh, a lot of flexibility in different products, so go check it out, RogueShop.com. And don't forget they have their Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale going on right now. Nate, let's talk about the defense. I don't mm -hmm. feel like we give enough credit to the defense uh, because they allowed 16 points. And mm -hmm. they allowed a total of 40 points in November. Mm -hmm. 
how do you how do you feel about that given when you look at the schedule who it was yeah it's it's a combination of things i think that uh saturday credit is due to michigan state's receivers for making some spectacular catches like that wouldn't have been a game if it had not been for it's not as though Peyton Thorne was making incredible passes on the money passes, uh, right? At least I didn't think so. <laughs> but I thought that they, the receivers won some reps in very timely situations. Uh, so that's, you got to tip your cap. I mean, that's, that's, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, you know, Abdul Carter is a heat-seeking missile, and Adisa Isaac's getting sacks, and uh, just the 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 suffocating nature of Penn State's defense. I, I just all of the you see the storylines and the way that people talk about things uh, as it, it all makes sense. None of it is a surprise, but it taking time to to find all of the group. Manny Diaz said something to me this summer that I thought was, uh, you know, let's not get too carried away, but like very insightful about how the beauty of his, I don't know if it's just his defense, but defense in general is in the nuance and it takes time to get the nuance. And so some of the things that I think were problematic or of concern, what have you at the beginning of the season for Penn state's defense made a ton of sense. They made all the sense in the world, uh, got exploited and bludgeoned at Michigan against a very good Michigan team. But since then, since then it's just been a progressive kind of week by week circumstance where yes, some of it is the opponent not having all the horses in the world to compete, but also just Penn state's defense, gradually getting better and better and better and better uh, to where you have not just a sound defense, but players making special plays. And that's what seems to separate it to me. Fitz, I want to go to you because after the game, uh, if you haven't checked out our instant analysis video, one of the best of the year, I think you guys really got into uh, the heart of a lot of this is how much do you give the, the, this group and this team credit for what they've done in the final stretch of the season, given that they played a team without a quarterback, a team with a bad quarterback, and a team with a quarterback that is um, sometimes good, and then sometimes is Sean Clifford in giving the ball to the other team. So I guess, what is the, how do you gauge progress that Nate is talking about versus it's on easy mode now? It's so tough because you obviously, you overwhelm them. I mean, this wasn't a situation where you out-schemed them and, and did all these things. And, and they did some really nice stuff, as you pointed out in your, in your film pieces. Um, but it wasn't a situation where it was a chess match and Penn State, uh, you know, outflanked them and, and did all the, the good things that you need to do to force turnovers and things like that. You were flat out better than these teams. But at the same time, there's something to be said for over, overwhelming a Big Ten team, you know, a Division One. Uh, power five team and they did it four weeks in a row which is really tough to do and on top of that this is a defense that outside of the Michigan game really didn't give up the big plays the back-breaking plays obviously you know you want to forget uh, everything that happened in the big house but uh, this is a team that kept things in front of them you know even Ohio State Marvin Harrison went out and made some ridiculous plays Nate as you mentioned Michigan State's receivers did the same thing on Saturday against 
really good coverage. Um, you know, Which you called, by the way, on the Thursday show, you called I, that they're going to make some ridiculous catches. I was getting to that. Thank you. Uh, if, <laughs> if only someone would have pointed that out last week. Um, no, they went up and won one-on-one and won -on -one battles, which is what they do, because Kalen King was incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Um, and Johnny Dixon was was not bad, um, despite the pass interference in the end zone and, and things like that. David Penn State certainly did some some really nice things at corner um, and in that secondary as a whole. Of course, we're going to lump those guys together. Um, but yeah, this is a defense that was overwhelming. Um, they went after it and then they used I mean, this is like the old uh, momentum meter. I think did Madden used to have that where you would, you know, certain I, I know FIFA and things like that have had it where, where you kept piling up, kept piling up and things just got easier. And that's kind of how it worked. And, um, you know, eventually you wear those teams down because you have better talent and speed and depth and everything like that. And sometimes you hurt a quarterback or, or something of that nature. But uh, the, the fact that we saw four weeks of relentless football, re relentless defense is pretty impressive because that's, that's tough to do. And Ohio state struggled with Maryland. Uh, other teams have struggled with these teams that Penn state just dispatched fairly easily um with maybe the, with the exception of michigan state so it's really difficult to win four big 10 games in a row no matter the opponent because crazy things happen football happens at times but penn state made it a point uh to not let that happen and made it so that four weeks in a row was never really in doubt yeah i i think uh the last game michigan state's always a weird game it, it just no matter what, even against this particular team that uh, has all the issues we talked about before the game and they all pretty much all of them came true during the game. They still made it a contest all the way down into the fourth quarter. It actually reminded me in the reverse of what happened to Penn State against Ohio State yep. where it's close. And then in the fourth quarter, Penn State just hit the accelerator and they were able to, able to get a big drive big plays, explosive plays, turnovers, and it just snowballed on the Spartans to the point that Penn State was Ohio State in that situation and got the win that that uh, that they were expected to get in that situation. So it's just it's just to that point, it is very easy to let a game get away from you if you're not focused and performing in that 1-0 mentality. Getting back to the chat. Uh, put this up earlier, but David uh, says, Nick made me very sad, meaning Nick Tarburton, uh, making Abdul Carter drop the pick six. How transformative has Abdul Carter been on this defense? Because I think that that is something that is maybe I underrated at first, but I've gone back and looked at some of the things they've done. They've used him in very different differently over the course of the season. So uh, what's been your view of the, the progress of Abdul Carter in conjunction with the defense fits? He's an eraser, man. You can you can put him out in any scenario, um, rushing the passer, dropping back um, in, in pass coverage, uh, playing on the line of scrimmage against the run. I mean, he's just been a guy that you can throw into every scenario, and and he's still getting better. That's the crazy thing, because um, he because he still has has room to learn. But he's just so athletic, and the size to go along with that athleticism, I don't think is something that we probably talk about enough. I mean, there's athletic guys out there, there's big guys out there. Oftentimes they don't overlap like Abdul Carter. He's a freak. I called him a created player on Twitter the other day because he's a guy that you just put and you can run all over the field. He's Lawrence Taylor on uh, Tecmo Super Bowl. Just uh, wherever <laughs> he wants to go, he goes there fast. It's really special to watch him and to think that he's a freshman um, and that he's picked it up this fast because, as we've mentioned a, a dozen times, he was not this player last year. Like a year yeah. ago, he was not this guy in high school. He really, really evolved and picked things up and 
bam, just took off. And it's really cool to see that, uh, that sort of thing. And, and Manny has used him to his strengths. Uh, I, I don't know that we found too many weaknesses. <laughs> read, read and react at times has been a struggle for him, but at the same time, he's gotten better at that too. So it's, yep. it's really, really fun to, uh, to watch his progress. One of the the coolest things that I saw this year was that the way they used him on third down, which is where we were introduced to him initially outside of the targeting call, was he got his first run in the Prowler package. And that, I guess, is what I looked at this week. And, and Nate, I'm going to need your help here because I'm doing a shameless plug, plug for the magazine, writing a, a, a column on Abdul Carter and how Penn State has changed the evolution with the more he can do and what Fitz just described. Tell us, tell everyone when they can read how smart I am and how smart you are and how smart Fitz is in the Blue White Illustrated magazine. When's that coming out for Christmas? It comes out Friday. Uh, it will be on my doorstep, uh, which I will then take to local area stores. And so uh, I think subscribers probably get it on Monday. But yeah, uh, it will be in McClanahan's, both McClanahan's and State. If you're in the State College area, uh, it'll be in the McClanahan stores, Lions Pride, Lion and Cub, and the Student Bookstore. So make that effort on my part worth it, please. Yeah, go pick one up. Yeah, and any of those stores, by the way, would be phenomenal sponsors of the BWI Daily Edition. By the way, uh, wow. Michael McCullen. Nate said, I'm, I'm doing three things at once here. I'm getting a sponsorships and we're doing a great job on the show. You're getting great. Like this is just synergy at its best. Michael McCullen says is cotton bowl snub, a reality insert Nate. So Nate back to you. Uh, we're talking bowls <laughs> or I'll spare that, uh, that pain for you. And we'll go to Matt who uh, just gave us 10 bucks. Thanks, I, Matt. I, I, missed, I missed the bowl rant last week. So I'm, a, I'm actually kind of sitting here with my popcorn waiting to hear uh, another one. <laughs> oh, look, we're going to know next Sunday and we can all be, uh, you know, amused or outraged or, you know, what have you based on what those decisions are. But I mean, it, it seems pretty clear to me. Am I wrong about this? If USC loses on Saturday, the Big Ten sends two to the to the playoff. Is that and at that point, Penn State definitely goes to the Rose Bowl. There's a second option where the Rose Bowl just chooses Penn State. Uh, and for what reason or another, Ohio State decides th that it doesn't want to be involved in the Rose Bowl. And then there's the Cotton Bowl as an at-large or the Orange. I, I don't care. It does not matter. <laughs> they, are <laughs> they are going to play. They are going to play in a bowl game. It will be fine. Uh, but it's it remains. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. It just, I, I do think I had a conversation with Ryan before uh, Ryan Snyder before the game on Saturday. And, you know, he was saying something about how uh, the, the Rose bowl has a mystique to it. And I agree with him there, right? Like as bowls go uh, and whether you've been there or not, I have had uh, the, the, the good fortune to have been at a game at the Rose bowl twice. Now uh, it is it. it, it's cool. Like it, it is, it's very, very cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, AT and T Stadium in Dallas. It, uh, okay, or, yeah. right the the, the yeah. Orange Bowl. All right, okay. Uh, but when there's nothing on the line, uh, it takes more than just the name to be special. And so I don't see that necessarily being the case with most of those other games. But we'll see. Is okay. Let me ask you one quick follow up question, and then I want to get to some other off season stuff. 
because we've talked a lot about playoff expansion and we've talked a lot about uh, the love of the bowl games and, and the tradition of the bowl games dying. How many bowl games do we care about? Because I feel like we're propping up the Rose Bowl as the one reason not to go to a playoff for like 15 or 20 years. So is that a fair assessment? I'll just throw this to the group. Is that a fair assessment or are there other bowls that I'm not considering in the moment here that actually people feel the same way about that maybe aren't Big Ten bowls or just are one of the other New Year's Six that people like a lot? Uh, I feel that way about the Outback Bowl, but I know everyone doesn't. Um, that's always, <laughs> always you just want to go to Frenchies. That's it. Yeah, that's all it's about. Um, anyway, uh, no, I mean, it, there, there's the mystique to the to the uh, New Year's Six, but like it drops off considerably after that. I think uh, the Citrus Bowl had a mystique for a long, long time, and then I got left out of that top tier. And, you know, that's a bowl where all of a sudden you go from uh, three opt-outs to eight opt-outs or something of that nature, because it's, it's so much different. Um, you know, Penn state doesn't really, uh, factor into the sugar bowl of the way that they're, uh, lined up for the, for all intents and purposes. It's kind of like the orange bowl as well, although you have a little bit of an opening to get in the orange bowl. Um, so I don't know the cotton bowl I really enjoyed, but you put yourself in a situation where no matter, who it is coming out of the the uh, the group of five? It's it's a no win situation, or you feel like it's a no win situation because that's what's what uh, the matchup says it is. So, I do agree that the Rose Bowl for a Big Ten team, uh, for a program that's uh, you know got tradition like this, uh, and and for the programs that have traditionally gone to the Rose Bowl, I think that matters a little bit more. So I agree with Nate. And to be honest with you, I think it's tough from Nate and I's perspective because. A lot of this is selfishness. We want to go somewhere that's warm. We want to go somewhere that's fun. Um, we you want, mean you don't want yeah, to go to the but, pinstripe bowl? <laughs> no, I, it's not really not really high on my list. It's it's higher than Detroit, but at the same time, um, there's uh, there's there's tiers to this, and and you kind of prepare yourself when covering the team to figure out which tier you're going to be in. And then I'm rooting for the Outback Bowl over Jacksonville. Um, I'm rooting for that over Orlando and things like that. Um, so that's kind of where I found myself, but. Penn State's in that situation where they should be a New Year's Six team. You know, Citrus Bowl's still floating out there as well. Um, but I think, you know, you've got to put yourself in a position to, um, from from a program perspective, to sell as much as you can. And that's, you know, Rose Bowl carries some clout with it. We will be doing a full bowl preview show coming up on Wednesday, breaking down all the scenarios, potential teams, destinations. There'll be some fancy music along the way, and uh, there'll be cocktails if if you bring them. You know, I, I won't be having, I won't, I won't have any to give to you. But we'll have the bowl selection show coming up this week. That was one of our more fun shows last year. It was a little more interesting when they were seven and six, and it wasn't so locked in. They could have gone a number of places. This year, I think we've got. Uh, a lot of this worked out, but there's there's some weird math in the Pac-12 championship game that we got to get through, and we'll do all of that. D- dedicate a whole sh- a whole show to it this week. Let's hey, get Frank. back. Yes, I got, I just got to say one thing, just one, and then I promise I'll shut up. None okay. of those games are worth the the expense, or should be held or propped up at the expense of unifying and formalizing the sport. Like the sport needs. A playoff all of like it, it just <laughs> zero of those games even the rose bowl are worth having or worth preserving at the expense of these other things and anybody who goes to those games will tell you the exact same thing nobody is walking if you were walking into the cotton bowl in like the old cotton bowl stadium in dallas okay may, maybe 
but th- it's just a game in, in the stadium with 100,000 people in Arlington, Texas. It's not the same thing. None of these things are the same thing that they were 30, 40, 50 years ago. And that, you know, anyway, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> well, and that's so that is kind of what I was saying earlier, where you, you have these reasons for not doing something, but they, they tend to get quickly outdated. Um, let's switch back to talking about the team and uh, what comes next, because we discussed the final game. We discussed the breaking news today. Uh, but there is the next step, and that's what I think a lot of people are very excited about with this team and the news coming up today. So with the transfer portal heating up and Texas A&M apparently losing 90% of its players, from what I can tell from the on three graphics, uh, what should Penn State fans expect, both good and bad, as far as you know, rough timelines or how did this all worked out previously, Fitz, when it comes to player intro and exit from the program? Well, it's a give and take, um, and the new rules make it so that you can't go uh, into the portal at a certain date, um, and it changes some things because, you know, you have a very good idea right now of the guys that you're going to be able to keep and the guys that you don't have to, you know, overwork to keep, Um, but at the same time, you also have a good idea of what you need, and when it all hits at the same time, that is, that's actually good for you. You know, you've got an opportunity with these windows to fill, fill the fill those holes. Now it has it worked out for them in the past. Otherwise, yes, you got chop Robinson late last year um, when you were going after some other guys at defensive end early and you struck out on those guys and, and happened to fall into chop Robinson, which was, was pretty great for Penn state. Um, but this gives you a little bit more order. It's going to be chaos in the sense that there's going to be a lot of guys that hit the portal that, you know, probably in years past would not have done so you've got nil playing into things you've got a little bit more of this uh sense of how things are going to work if you're a player now there's a little bit more power for the player here which is good so um that's going to make some things crazy as as we've been saying on our boards for the last couple of months you know prepare yourself for the unknown it might be a guy that that pops into the portal that you just was like why would he why would this guy go there and you've got you know, no good reason, but that player has a very good reason because he's trying to find the best fit for him, whether that be NIL, whether that be another opportunity. You saw Jordan Addison last year step up and and, and go play at a different level and go play at USC. You might see some of that stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't know that it, it impacts uh, the, the upper tier of college football and the top 15, 20 programs. Um, it will certainly uh, maybe on a smaller level, but they're going to be able to harvest um, from those schools below them. And I think you've started to see that with FCS programs. FCS guys have gone in the portal. They've gotten offers from that lower level FBS. You're going to see lower level FBS guys that have been stars and have been all Mac players and have been all uh, Sunbelt guys step up and maybe they take the next step. So it's going to be chaos. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much of that chaos is going to be focused here in Happy Valley, but it's going to be certainly uh, plowing new ground. If you're following college football, um, you know, it's, it's going to be the new normal. It's, 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 it's going to be crazy. I think when you're looking at this, uh, roster, what are the, if Penn state could fill a wish list, what are the, what are the positions one a through however many you got and what they're looking for targeting to make this team re not have to rebuild, but reload at every position and be that competitive team that we've got people in chat saying 2023 national champions. We got people very excited about next year. So where are people, where is Pensa going to fill those holes? We got people taking spread bets on uh, the, the national championship game against Georgia. Uh, so I don't know if that's the, the best place to look for these comments. 
uh, <laughs> receiver. Uh, obviously, you know, even if you get everybody that you you hope to get back, you still have holes and you still have you know, spots where you could put in a guy that's been productive at a high level and, and, you know, like a Mitchell Tinsley, I don't, I don't know that it worked out as well for Mitchell Tinsley as he thought that, that, that it may based on the production that he had at Western Kentucky. Um, but still you can find a guy that's been productive at a high level, put him in there and, and get a starter. I mean, that you look at this roster, you look at this depth chart, where can you find a starter? I think wide receiver just kind of you know, throws it right in your face there. Um, defensive tackle is one where they, we talked about this this early in the show. That's going to be a spot where they need. But really, they're going to look at every position. I mean, you look at the scenarios on this roster, running back, um, you know, what Kevon Lee decides to do uh, may be irrelevant because you need more running backs. London Montgomery is coming in off of, uh, you know, season-ending knee surgery. So can you can you count on him as a true freshman? It's hard to say. So finding depth guys at running back, maybe even a quarterback, Christian Veyer, What's he going to do? That's a that's a big time cog in uh, in trying to figure out what you can do in that room moving forward. Um, offensive line, we talked about that in the show earlier. Um, yep. But yeah, there's there's so many positions where you could make an argument. I don't know that they'd be top of the board like receiver, like defensive tackle, but you could make an argument where you can fill space there. Even corner. I mean, you you look at the way that Penn State has you know recruited corner. Uh, developed corner and sent guys to the pro the, to the pros this corner. It looks like a spot where you wouldn't need help, but Hey, Johnny Dixon started a bunch of games as a transfer um, yep. this year. So I could see them prioritizing corner and you know, that's a spot where they've offered a ton of guys in the past. So you fall back on the past uh, recruiting relationships. You fall back on some of that other stuff. And maybe you find yourself with a guy that could be your third corner next year. I can't stress enough how important corner is when it comes to not just Manny Diaz as a defense, but keeping yourself competitive in a lot of these games. They are the high end of any position is rare, but high end first round type corners, which Penn State has two of them right now. If you can, you want to keep that gravy train rolling. Nate, I want to throw this to you because one of the things that you and I talked about at the beginning of the season was, can Penn State get to 30 points on offense? And here's what they did throughout the season. They scored 38.8 points per game, 20th in college football. Is this an attractive destination now for receivers to come and play at Penn State, in your opinion? Yeah, that number is slightly, and this goes for everyone, so I don't want to downplay it too much, but it's slightly inflated by some defensive touchdowns, right? Uh, we, we have seen those and their impact on games this season. But yeah, I, I think that anybody who is evaluating, well, first of all, yes, there are the personnel decisions to make, right? Uh, the offensive line, how good is it going to be? You've got these two stud running backs that are going to have the ball in their hands. You've got a quarterback who appears to be in a place where he's going to be able to deliver the football all over the field. Uh, you've got some stud tight ends like, all I'm saying is there are reasons to be uh, it's a, it's a pros and cons, right? <laughs> when there's that much talent at some of these other positions that might make you a little bit wary, especially seeing uh, like Sean just mentioned Mitchell Tinsley's situation, um, which was good. It, like this has been a good thing for Mitchell Tinsley. It's just not like at the level of again, 85 catches. 
Uh, right. So you're, you're going to have to share the football with the group that they have coming back. None of this addresses the elephant in the room that has to be said, which is like, what are the NIL opportunities? What, what are they? And if yeah. you're going to attract this talent, uh, it, it, especially for guys that are going to be here for a couple of years, if you, if you have a guy who's just looking to, to make that jump and get into the, the NFL and feels like the exposure being at a place like Penn State will provide that that's one thing like that's its own conversation. You, you want NIL to be attached to that, but it, it's kind of its own deal. For the guys that are going to be around, around, they're going to want to see some some evidence. They're going to want to see some, uh, you, you know, some reason to believe that not only can they have a productive career at Penn State that propels them to the next level, but they can uh, earn a little bit while they're doing so. So, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's going to be very interesting uh, to see who comes in, who maybe leaves you know you just we're gonna have to wait and see well that'll do it today for the bwi daily edition fits uh, you're you're our adam Schefter, and you've been on your phone so there's there's stuff going on i don't want to keep you any longer than we have to and you've already given us a ton of time uh any last thoughts that you guys have before we get out of here fits you got anything no um uh, building on nate's last point um this staff is really good at selling different data points. So you're selling to a receiver that he can be Jahan Dotson while catching balls from a five-star quarterback. That's an attractive situation. And as Nate mentioned, the NIL will be important, but also putting yourself in position to earn at the next level is also important. And let's face it, they can sell this, this staff does a really good job of, of selling and, you know, selling the vision and, and that opportunity will certainly be there. I think they're going to get a productive guy at receiver. It's just a matter of how does he fit? Where does he fit? Which spot, uh, you know, makes the most sense. And, and I guess we'll see uh, over the next couple of weeks because it's, it's going to be exciting. Uh, it, it's already exciting. We've got an awesome show today. I want to thank everyone who showed up today. We've got a great crowd tonight. You've been super entertaining. You've been super engaged. I love it. Uh, but that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. One last thing before you go. He just said it. Fitz just said it. it we're going to find out, and they're going to be looking for those guys. And the best place to get your information before you see it on Twitter bluewhiteillustrated.com sign up for ten dollars you get access to premium information you get access to what he's looking at right now in in, in a distilled form and uh you'll get the information to let your friends know that you're the smartest Penn State football fan that uh, of the group and while you're at it subscribe here to the youtube channel that'll do it for uh today we'll be back tomorrow with the recruiting show all kinds of great stuff in the off season we are not slowing down we are hitting the gas on the penn state football season and hoops coming up this week and bowl stuff so stay tuned to blue white illustrated